The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So Paul B. Gordon of Gordon Food Services in Grand Rapids, Michigan, was dying of cancer. And on Easter too, the week after Easter, he wrote a letter to his employees thanking them for their support and for their love and for their service. And he ended his letter this way. While the outlook for my time here on earth is not long, please rest assured that my outlook for eternity is secure. I do not say that because of anything that I've achieved. The only reason I can speak so confidently is because of God's grace. Jesus conquered sin and death and the grave when he rose from the dead. It is my desire and my prayer that each of you would come to experience that grace and have the same assurance of where you will spend eternity. Now there was a man for whom the grace of God was ever fresh and new and precious. Even as death's stale breath was breathing down his neck, maybe precisely because it was. Let's swing the pendulum and go to the other end of the spectrum. A pastor invites his best friend, to go to church on Easter Sunday. And his friend says, thanks, bud, but I have a conflict. You see, I just reserved a tea time at the local golf course, and I can't miss that. Now, there is a man for whom the grace of God has grown stale, and old, and crusty, and moldy. Just think about this. On the most important day of the year, each year, that's the most important day of our lives. It is the most invigorating and enlivening day that we can ever come to. The commemoration of the day that the angel rolled the stone away from the hole of death to reveal life and the only miracle on God's green earth that you care about is rolling a little white bowl, a hole, a ball in a hole for a hole in one? Are you kidding me? Will Easter grace grow stale for you? It's Easter too. The Sunday that is traditionally known by an ugly name. You know what it's called? You know what this Sunday's called? Low Sunday. You know why? Because traditionally, the Sunday after Easter is one of the lowest attended Sundays in the entire year. Will you let Easter grow stale for you? Well, thanks be to God, I can say not for you because the Lord is with you and has brought you here but also because of this, that Paul is on at least a fifth, if not more, 
missionary journey. Did you know that? Today, the Apostle Paul is on another mission from God, and his mission is to ensure that Easter grace stays fresh and alive and wonderful with us so that those sweet words that we bring out every single morning of Easter, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, they never get old, but they get more and more new each time we speak them, each time we say them. He has given us this 58-verse ode to the Easter grace that is 1 Corinthians 15, this apologetic, this defense of the resurrection. On Low Sunday, can I ask you to, give me, to do me a favor? Can you give me a righteous high? Can you give me the exhilarating joy of lifting up your hearts and filling you with the grace of God to make it ever new and ever fresh for you and to make you powerful and mighty for the ministry of the gospel? Will you give me that joy? Open up your worship folders, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 8. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, oh, sweet grace, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, and yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. So it's like, it's like this stunning, gorgeous diamond that is slowly spinning and each facet is hitting that light and the fire from the diamond, perfectly cut, just fills our eyes and it captivates us. Let me tell you this, infinity, endlessness, is too short of a time to fully capture the beauty of it, to fully and adequately praise the Almighty for it. And what am I talking about? That phrase that is incomparable, the grace of God. Let's pick up this, I mean, with, only with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pick up this diamond that is heavy with glory. I mean, two tons of glory. And let's lift it up right now and slowly turn each facet and just be dazzled at the grace of God that is for you and for me. Now, Paul starts off, we pick up the lesson where we left off last week, where he says, and last, but also least, he appeared to me. Now, we're going to get to the facet of Paul in just a second and capture that stunning facet of grace for him. But, but, let's start, let's start with the first person to whom the risen Lord appeared, and let's capture that grace. Yeah, ready? So do you remember from last week who the first person that Paul names saw the, the risen Lord? You guys, Mary. Not Mary, but in, 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 Paul's, in Paul's epistle here, he names Peter. Peter, that's right. Peter, and you don't want to miss that, that beautiful nickname that Simon has because Paul says 
he appeared to Peter. That's, or Cephas, that is in Greek, the Aramaic of Kepha, which means rock, stone. So Jesus appeared to, with all due respect to Dwayne Johnson, the original rock, Mr. Granite. Really? He appeared to that man? But, but wasn't Mr. Granite the same guy, tell me if I'm right about this or wrong, the same guy that melted and got gooey like a marshmallow as he warmed himself on the fire right outside of the high priest's courtyard. When the lowest person in that society, a servant girl, approached him and said, hey, hey, aren't you with Jesus? You look like you have Galilean written all over you. Remember what, people, what the rock man said with that rock-solid faith? Huh? I never heard of the guy. And so, so this man, who earlier, a few hours in the night, earlier, swore up and down that he would rather die than ever deny knowing Jesus, now is swearing up and down that he doesn't know Jesus from Adam. And he lets his best friend, he lets his Lord be condemned unjustly and suffer horribly. And the risen Lord appears to that guy? And what's the first word that he has for Peter? Well, it's this Easter Eve where he comes and he says, Shalom lecha, peace be with you. In other words, Peter, all is forgiven. My dear rock man, who has all but been pulverized into the finest dust by the guilt, trust me, my life means that your denials are gone. I rose from the dead because I buried your sin there. What grace for you and for me. Because you see, there is a kefa in each and every one of us here. You, I can say, are rocks. Because if you're here on low Sunday, that says something. That, that says the Holy Spirit has fortified you in a way that has said, I'm just, if I'm here, unless I am on my deathbed, my behind is sitting in those pews, in these chairs. And you love Jesus. But, like Peter, each and every one of us has sunk, like a Peter, <laughs> like a Kepha, into the sea because of a flighty faith. And each one of us has said those things and thought those things and done those things. And you know what I'm talking about? Those things. The things that you didn't believe you were capable of and that you may have sworn, 
I, I would never say or do this. I would never become this. And the guilt can all but pulverize us. But Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he comes to you right now through not just walls, but through time and space. And he says, my dear one, dry those tears of guilt. Shalom lecha. Peace be with you. Because when when I rolled that stone away from that tomb, and when the curtain ripped in two from top to bottom, that curtain in the temple that symbolized the separation between a holy God and sinful human beings, the sound of that salvation has drowned out the sound of a crowing rooster. What sin? What denial? What weakness? Wow! What grace! Now, spin the diamond with me. Spin the diamond and capture this second fact. So who are the next people to see the risen Christ, according to Paul? The disciples. Among whom was a certain guy with a real strong skeptical streak to match that, that strong yellow cowardly streak that all of the disciples had, right? Thomas. Now, Thomas is an interesting man for many reasons, but, you know, Thomas, well, like, you know, he was like a certain pastor we all know and love. He was a twin. And, and I don't know, maybe his twin brother, he lived down south of him. I'm not sure. But one thing I can say for sure is this, that, that, even though he wasn't, he might as well have been. Jesus' half-brother James might, have, might as well have been a twin brother to Thomas because both of those guys were two peas in the pot of skepticism, right? We heard this morning already how Thomas is very public denial. I will not believe it. I, will, I need to see it. I need to put my hands in, so, in, the, in the wounds and in my side. Otherwise, I will not believe. I will not believe your preaching to me, my dear Christian brothers, that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I need more proof. And, and you may not know this, but do you know that the Apostle James, Jesus' half-brother, one time got up very publicly in the middle of a sermon, packed church. Jesus is preaching. And you know what, uh, what James said to Jesus? Little bro, you're nuts. You're, you're sick. You need help. So this is, work this with me, guys. Work this with me. You have two men who are the, some of the most closely associated people with Jesus, one of them even family. And in the face of sermon after incomparable sermon from the mouth of the Son of God, and miracle after incomparable miracle, including several resurrections, mind you, confirming that word, they, they take and they crumple up the message that has come to them and treat it like trash. And Jesus appears to them, and what, is the, what does he say to them? He speaks not once, but twice in a row, as we heard in the gospel, the very word that they crumpled up and tossed away. And by 
That, and he even, Jesus even lowers himself. He humbles himself and he says to Thomas, Tom, my dear one, if for you, seeing is believing and there's no other way than see. Here I am in the living flesh. Put your hands in my hands. See with your own two eyes. Stop doubting and believe. It really is me and I really am risen indeed. And with the word of peace that he proclaims, the Holy Spirit blows over them and blows out the doubts so that finally Thomas doesn't think it's an illusion and he drops to his knees, my Lord and my God. What grace! And that's for you and for me because there is a Thomas and there is a James also alive and well in us. I, time for some real honesty here because I, I really... Do you ever come to church? Do you ever read your Bible sometimes? And, and you feel kind of disconnected. And, and it feels, somehow it feels like distant and cold. Sometimes, sometimes life is such, and we are such, that it's almost like, like there come those times when I don't know if I really buy this. And this, it's a whispering for me. I don't know. It happens like so, kind of like this splitting thing. I can't even explain it to you. But it's like this, this feeling of like, I hope, I hope this, this is real, right? <laughs> Sometimes what happens too is we come to church and we hear these sermons, but we don't live them. We, we go, it's kind of like they enter in one ear and go out the other, and the worries and of life, they drown out those things. And so we don't mean it maliciously because we're all believers. But what happens is because of our sinful weakness, in essence, what we do is we take the words of Christ and we crumple them up and we toss them away. When Easter's for you and, and the risen Savior's for you and he comes to you through time and space and he says, Shalom lecha and peace be with you. And he says it so many times that you know what? He has gotten to the point where we are blessed in a greater way than Thomas was. Thomas saw and believed. The Holy Spirit has made sure that we believe and therefore see, and therefore we are saved. Oh, baby, that is some serious grace. That's an amazing grace. But now, now is when we hoist that diamond up and see the creme de la creme the beautiful, stunning, staggering grace that has to just take our breath away and hold us captive for all eternity. Who is the last person to see the risen Lord? It is me. I'm last of all appeared even all of you to me. Who are you? I am one abnormally born. You see, there was Peter the denier, Peter the vacillator, Peter the coward, and there was James the skeptic and Thomas the doubter, but then there was me, Saul the abortion. Saul the miscarriage, Saul the, the human being not yet fully formed because I didn't just, 
I didn't just deny my Savior. I didn't even betray, I didn't even just betray him. I didn't doubt him. I went after him. And my only intent was to exterminate him and erase any memory of him from the face of the whole wide world. And when the people laid those bloody garments of Stephen, the first martyr, at my feet, it was like Christmas Day. And he appeared to me. He loved that person. How much did he love me? How much did he love me? This much that in eternity, God the Father already set apart his one and only son to bear the guilt of all of my wretched hatred and to do away with it and wash it away with his only blood on the cross, with his holy blood on the cross. This much he loved me, that already when I was a fetus, when I was in my mother's womb, God set me apart to be conformed to the holy image of his son. And so on that road to Damascus, when I was mumbling blasphemous threats beneath my mouth, intent on imprisoning every one of his Christian people that I could get my hands on, he came to me and saved me and made me his apostle. Can you believe, can you believe that? Can you believe that? And that grace is for you and for me because there is a Saul of Tarsus in us all. If you have ever harbored any anger towards any other believer that God has placed around you, you have in your own way persecuted the Lord of glory who has only been good to you and only given you all of those he, he has. But the grace of God is for you. The grace of God is for you. Because he stands here, and on your road to Damascus, he puts his foot down and he says, no, I am not letting you go your way to hell. I am turning you around and you are mine, and I am going to re-identify you and repurpose you, and I am going to make you a savior of souls. I'm going to do just that. One last thing. This grace is not just beautiful. It's, it's not just striking, it's strong. Because it transforms, it changes. I mean, we saw that, right? We saw that drastic change from those cowardly disciples all huddled in that upper room on that Easter Eve, and there they are in, so in Solomon's colony, and they're preaching, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Believe it, don't you doubt it. We have seen it in Saul, going from Saul to Paul, and, and the grace of God works so hard in him that he just like exhausted himself and worked so hard, harder than any of the disciples is what he said, because the grace of God was in me. So this same grace has been working in you and in me, because let me tell you this, in a, in a very different sense, but a very real sense, we are all ap apostles. We are all apostelos, people who have been sent. This is what Jesus says on the night of Easter Eve. As the Father has sent me, I am aposteloing. I am sending you. You will not die. You will live. And you will proclaim what I have done for you, the gospel that I have preached to you, that I died, that I was buried, and that on the third day I rose again according to the scriptures. And guess what? From the first day until now, we are working hard doing
Bradford, it's cliche. There, but for the grace of God, go I. That's no cliche. I mean, just imagine where we would be, where Paul would be, where any of us. Without the grace of God. So praise him. Praise God. The grace of God has appeared to us in the living flesh of our living Savior. And we are saved. And we stand on the solid ground. Ah, let's hoist that diamond up and spin it one more time and just bask in the facets of that grace as it just shines and sparkles in our eyes like a strobe light. Let's speak those words of pure Easter peace and power and grace, those words that are, that are life-redeeming and peace-giving and ministry-empowering. Christ is risen. Hallelujah.